it up. Travis Dodge, he's in there. Touchdown, FSU. Hello and welcome to Talking Chop, the official podcast for FSU students by FSU students. I'm your host, Maxwell Rundy. Now, to take a step back, I know it's been quite a while since our last podcast, but today sparks a big return to a new era of Talking Chop. Each week, I will be joined by members of V89 Sports and the FSVU and Florida Flambeau, Florida State's student-run radio station and newspaper, respectively. Today, though, I am pleased to announce I'll be sharing the airwaves with Mr. Jack Oliaro and Calvin Sonalia. How are you guys doing today? Doing good, doing good. Happy to be part of this uh, podcast. It's been a long time, and I'm happy to be on the debut episode. I'm excited, man. It feels good to be uh, back on campus watching FSC Sports again, so I'm excited. The goal of this podcast, I would say, is not always to be talking about the news, scores, storylines of our main three sports here at FSU. We're also supposed to talk about the lesser advertised, lesser followed sports. However, that's not really the case today. There's not too much going on in the FSU sports world right now, so we're going to mostly be sticking to basketball and football today. That said, though, Calvin, you just finished a piece last week about some other sports that our school students should go check out. You want to talk about that real quick? Yeah, so the main three I outlined included women's soccer, who I think is easily the best sports team on campus, coming off of their third national championship in eight, in the last eight years, and that did it. Uh, women's indoor volleyball. I think that's just an electric atmosphere overall, being their seminal sound on the hardwood where Florida State basketball used to play, for that matter. And then, what was the third one? I think it was softball. Softball, yeah. Softball is good because they are, you know, up there, they represent the university the highest standard, and it's just fun to watch uh, on a random spring day in the semester. You, you never know when they're going to play, but you can always walk over to join Graff Field and have a good time. Jack, what have you been up to? Uh, mostly been pro- uh, most of doing the producing stuff around here, but I've been covering the uh, the football and the soccer a little bit around here recently. Um, I'd like to add that I loved enjoying those softball games. Still kind of upset that they blew that game to Mississippi State uh, all those months ago. That looked like a team that really could have gone and won at all, but blew it at their uh, own uh, stadium. So that was that was a rough watch, and still gives me a still gives me a little bit of nightmares there. But the football team is two and zero, so that's all that matters, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, you've set it up perfectly. I mean, 2-0 FSU. First time since 2016? And you know who they played last time coming off 2-0? Who's that? Heisman winning Lamar Jackson. Oh, that's where it all came crashing down. And same team at Louisville this week, who's 1-1 one one, to many people's surprise. Did either one of you see that score last weekend? Where they escaped against UCF? That was, they made that game a lot harder than they had to. And UCF, Gus and them just blew it. They were handing the game to Louisville, and even then it came down to the wire. So I think the biggest storyline for this game this week is the new white uniforms breaking out of traditional Florida State garnet and gold. What do you guys think about that? I love it. I, I wish they changed the jerseys a little bit more. I wish uh, someone brought it up yesterday. Some nice sleek silver lining on the uniforms would be awesome, but... The helmets are just so nice. I know people are not in the opinion of they love they don't love the jerseys. I still really like both jerseys. Maybe not that alternate one, the black one. However, the only thing I would have maybe changed is that helmet needs some gold to it. It's just it's so weird having a white and garnet helmet. It needs gold speckled in there to make it look a little bit better. Where does it rank up uh, with like the Miami Heat whiteout and the Bengals whiteout? Where where would you put it? Not as high. Not it, needs as some, high. it needs some perfecting. A little, a little tweaking. It's the first year. It's something new. It's a new season. It's a pivotal turning point for the program. 
So I think it's refreshing, but they could fix a couple things. But also, if they get if they start doing this and get rid of those ugly, I think those ugly garnet and black helmet. Oh yeah. That is I don't like least those favorite for me. So if that's in place, then I have no issues. Well, let's let's talk about the actual football game itself. Currently, FSU is actually a favorite despite being on the road, a two and a half point favorite with an over under fifty four and a half. What do you guys think about that? Is that accurate, or do we think it should be different? I think it's accurate given the, how the way the season's gone. Uh, Louisville dropped an absolute egg at whatever Syracuse's uh-huh. new stadium is called. That was a complete shocker. Uh, most people didn't see that because I believe Notre Dame Ohio State was on, but I kept tabs on that. And that was just a game Louisville's beaten all the phases in, and it's early season, so it's uh, they're just coming out of the gates really slow, or was it that Syracuse really is decent? Some of that FSU won't really face until uh, middle of November. They came out flat, and they haven't really played to expectation. However, when really any ACC team plays Florida State, there is that mindset of it's time to come and play your absolute best. And that's this has sort of been a rivalry, uh, FCU and Louisville, that's sort of grown over the past years. Uh, started with that Absolutely. Lamar game, and then since then it's sort of been a back-and-forth affair. Mike, Nor- Mike Norville is still uh, 0-2 against Gus Satterfield. Well, this is now the 24th game between the two. FSU still does hold the lead 17-6 to overall. Calvin, what, what do you think we can expect from this offense? Because last week it was a lot of air attack. Great game by Jordan Travis himself. And, of course, Duquesne, we kind of got to push that under the rug. It doesn't really count. But the rushing attack was really prominent in that game. What, what do you think we're leaning on more this week? Well, Jordan Travis being such a dual-threat quarterback. And Louisville, I don't know too much about their team, but I know they have a very mobile quarterback as well. So their defense has to be used to that. Something coming into this game that Jordan Travis can use his legs as a threat. So I would think that Florida State should have a good, healthy mix of our run game, which goes very, very deep. All three of our running backs are very good. And air attacks to our very tall wide receivers, Johnny Wilson and Malik McLean. I think it'd be smart of Louisville to bet on Malik's passing ability and use his legs sufficiently. So the problem against Syracuse was that not his passes, it was kind of like Anthony Richardson where it's sort of on and off. Having a dual threat quarterback in college is kind of iffy because they could have big peaks where they're landing their passes and their runs are deadly. But you saw against Kentucky that uh, through two interceptions just looked like a shadow of what he was against that Utah game. Uh, Malik uh, Cunningham has that same sort of uh, edge to him where he can, you know, sometimes will his way to win games for Louisville. And that's something that Florida State's got to keep in mind on, especially with the FSU nickel position, which I think has been a glaring problem because Kevin Knowles and Greedy Vance, Greedy Vance, by the way, Louisville transfer, they've not been good. Kevin Knowles' PFF numbers, they're dismal. Uh, he was in, on scale of one, uh, 1 to 100. He was in the toys for rush defense and tackle against Duquesne. And those numbers improved slightly against LSU, and they needed to, but still below average. And Greedy Vance's numbers, they look better, but, you know, unlimited snaps and whatnot. The eye test is just dismal. Receivers dropping passes against both of them would have led to, you know, game-changing opportunities that they've escaped. And we saw against LSU, Jane Daniels was able to scramble for 114 yards, I think Malik has the capability to inflict further damage if FSU comes out with a similar attack where um, the linebackers, they, they've been smarter and better on FSU's side, but they still allowed a, a dual-threat quarterback, not so much as Jade Daniels, but more so with Malik Cunningham. They ha- he has the capability to run and uh, you know pass, pass the uh, defense of Florida State pretty, pretty proficiently. Well, as you're saying, Malik Cunningham totally has the, the ability to carry the Cardinals offense all by himself and just look back last year when FSU lost at home 31 to 23 Malik Cunningham threw for 264 yards and two TDs while rushing for 56 yards and also rushing for two TDs he got every single touchdown that the Cardinals scored that day of course Mackenzie Milton started for FSU and 
that's not quite the quarterback that Jordan Travis is currently, especially coming off a very strong game and a strong bye week. Keeps those legs fresh. I think there's a lot to expect in this game. I think it will surpass the 54 and a half uh, over under mark. I think both these offenses are high flying West Coast styles. It should be a good game, though. I don't think it'll be a big blowout either way. The next question, though, what, what would you say your biggest worry is about this game? Uh, for FSU, it would be that nickel position I was stating because mm-hmm. um, it's just they haven't been strong in that position. And the cornerbacks, it, the LSU game, but while that is the only like uh, FBS team that Florida State has played, I just thought it was more so that LSU just did not look good. You know, high-flying wide receivers did not come to play, and the uh, Florida State defensive line put Jaden Daniels in a rough situation. The recipe to winning is that beating uh, out that Louisville offensive line, getting pressure on Malik Cunningham, and if you uh, are able to shut down those running opportunities and cave them in, the op- you can get those interceptions that Syracuse did and have a similar blueprint. I am worried, though, that you know, with the peaks and valleys of this Louisville side, that Malik Cunningham has the capability to really mess up a secondary that I still have full confidence in. I was going to say the same thing. The secondary is a big concern going into this game. They looked borderline embarrassing against Duquesne. The only reason they didn't score as many touchdowns as they did was because those receivers were dropping wide open passes, not because they were well defended. Obviously anchored by Jamie Robinson, he's very good. He's bailed out a few people. Hopefully he can do that against Louisville as well, but uh, it's something just to look out for. And not to mention, the Louisville has a huge transfer from Central Arkansas who's been killing it so far in this season. Tyler Hudson has 11 catches for 169 yards in just the two games so far and was the clear standout favorite target in that UCF game for Malik Cunningham. So hopefully FSU's defense can center in on him because beyond him, it did not look like much of a much of a threat. Kind of like Florida State's uh, wide receiver core for the past couple of years. Exactly. And speaking of that, how do we think about Micah, uh, yeah, Micah Pittman so far? Because he's not really been standing out quite as much as I would have anticipated. I think he's been very good at the returner position. Because that's, I think that's what he's there for to specialize, not necessarily being a receiver. Because we have bigger, better targets than him. He's quick, he can move, and he, he knows how to get past defenders when running the ball down off of kickoff. So I think that's what he's best on the team. Yeah, the return game by Micah has sort of been an improvement, especially since uh, that return game for Forrest has been a glaring weakness. And mm-hmm. we've seen in college football the past couple weeks, special teams is just as big of, big of a factor, and it can win and lose you games. And if he's on that side, it is an improvement of Florida State's chances. What I noticed in the Duquesne game is that um, Micah Pittman was getting these short little slants inside into the linebacking position, and he was sort of making those 15-yard receptions, making something out of nothing. He gets a short reception and is able to explode a little bit towards the center of the field. Maybe he's not a wide receiving threat like Hokey has been. Hokey, by the way, had a standout game. The best, Someone I wrote off just shine beautifully against uh, an LSU team, but... If they can elevate that wide receiving group with guys of Pokey, Span, and uh, Micah, then they have the ability to really run on the defense here. What's your hottest take? Don't include final score, though. It probably has to be the fact that I think Louisville, I think people are going to have their coming out game a little bit. I think that the offense is going to show out and really like put a dent on the uh, Florida State fans' expectations after two weeks. Because I really don't think that LSU team is just that good. I, I, it's more so I was not impressed with LSU as much as um, people are hot on L- uh, FSU. I'm, I'm especially wondering how they look on defense. They've been spotty, but they still held a UCF team at 14 points. If they can implement a similar game plan as to what they did then and shut down Jordan Travis, then I think it could be a lot closer. 
there is a two and a half spread, but a lot of people, especially uh, our side of the station here, I was the only one that voted uh, Louisville to potentially win. That's a little surprising, honestly. Yeah. In Louisville, I, I still can't believe Florida State's the favorite. I mean, I know they just beat LSU, but LSU is a complete shadow of what they once were. My big stat is that FSU has not won their ACC opener since 2015. They have not been able to get out of the blocks in the conference with a win. And that does make me concerned for this game where you have the bye, which helps the ability to not make this a trap game. Mm -hmm. But I still think there's elements of it. Friday night, prime time-ish, Louisville Cardinal Stadium, I, I'm a little concerned. Calvin, hot take? My hottest take is that I think Treshawn Ward is going to come out and solidify himself as a top five college running back, at least in the public eye, because he's been just putting in work. He was one of the three 100-yard total runners against Duquesne. You know, that's just a bad team, but he just looked great against LSU as well. That was more of a, a game where JT was putting the ball in the air, but I think this is one of those games where if that's not working, that he'll be the first option. He silently had a very proficient game at running back. The running back room was mostly shut down against LSU, but he still find a way, found a way to make efficient plays when really guys like Trey Benson and uh, LT were kind of shut down. I'd say my hot take is Jordan Travis all-purpose at least 350. Probably even at least three touchdowns. I think this is going to be a very high-scoring affair. Could be a Friday night shootout. Exactly, exactly. Throwback to those high school days. All right, let's wrap up football here with some final scores. Calvin? I do 31-20 Florida State. I'm going to go similar score on the winning team, 31-27 in favor of Louisville. I am, again, a little concerned that this is in Louisville, that um, this team is going to show up and play their best game that they have thus far. And I think... Malik Cunningham has that ability in him to make plays that I think uh, Jordan Travis will face that are a little bit rough around the edges. So I do think it'll be a tight affair. Everything I've heard going into this favors L uh, FSU, but I still have that gut feeling. So I'll be the wet blanket and maybe say that I, I think they'll fall. I respect the unbiasedness. I'm going to go 45 to 41. Golly. We're talking about touchdown after touchdown, maybe even a pick six. I mean, neither one of these quarterbacks are really like Aaron Rodgers out there throwing dots, but... Jordan Travis does have, a, does have the ability to not turn the ball over often, which could be a deciding factor if it, if it becomes an absolute cool. shootout. Uh, also got to watch out for Louisville's, um, for FSU, uh, sorry, Louisville's transfer came from Florida State last year, who's in the uh, defensive end, who, or in the defense, who actually picked off and got the game when you pick against UCF. Oh, wow. I didn't know His name's currently escaping me, but I will get back to you on that. That's funny. Any final thoughts on football before we go to the drought? One thing that concerned me was hearing how the team's first practice went after LSU. Mike Norvell had said that he was not impressed with their effort whatsoever. But upon reading further articles in the days following, he had said that he liked how the team responded. And that's been the theme this year, is how the team can respond to different situations. So we'll see how they can respond to, to Louisville's offense. I think that um, that practice that you mentioned could be a blessing in disguise because you'd much rather have, you, they had it on a bye week, and you'd much mm -hmm. rather have that than say like you have a crappy practice maybe the Tuesday leading into that game. This is a huge game for them. They need to start out they need to start out firing quickly, get a huge road game against a team that has caused a lot of headaches for Florida State in the past. Avenge that and then go into back into home territory, bringing a three and O score against a lesser opponent in BC. If they're able to hurdle that, they could potentially go four and out. I'm not trying to write off BC, but they haven't looked great to start off and the capability is there, but you have to handle Louisville first. Nothing like FSU possibly being 4-0. Wouldn't that be the dream? Now let's move into the other big board here on campus. That would be basketball. They just dropped their full schedule for the 2022-2023 season. 
Not the most interesting schedule ever, I won't lie. Nothing really stands out as, like, oh, I can't wait to go to that game. Any big takeaways for you guys? One thing that I noticed was how dense it was. There's a game every three or four days for the entire season. I've never seen that before. I thought that was interesting. I did not pick up on that. That is that is a little surprising, especially coming off a year where FSU basketball didn't play for like a whole month because of yeah. COVID. Yeah, I thought that was interesting because the three years that I've been here, I've just noticed that I've had to wait a week or so between every game, kind of like football. Not necessarily because that's how often their games are, but because they spread out home and away. But there's a stretch of, of probably 10 home games that I was like, what in the world? How did, how did that happen? We're going to be going to basketball all week, every week, for two weeks in a row. Especially that early stretch, um, they have their opener against Stetson. And I think a potent, uh, I'm, I'm a little worried about that game, that first away game in, in uh, Orlando against UCF. I mean, uh, UCF's not been the best in the American, but that's still a game where, kind of like I mentioned, some of these teams really just want to beat Florida State based off uh, you know what the university is. So. I think that's a game I'm a little bit worried about. Getting the Florida game back in Tallahassee is going to be huge because Florida State was on a huge run to start the season, and then when they played Florida, they just dropped. They dropped it in that weird basement they called Exitec Arena. I went last year. It was weird atmosphere. It feels like a abandoned basement, but Florida was able to get it done that day. They also played Orlando during Thanksgiving weekend at the ESPN Invitational and uh, still playing Purdue. Uh, don't know why. Yeah, we had a conversation about that earlier. Not sure why they're still playing Purdue. The whole point of this ACC Big Ten thing is that you get a taste of seed with the other conference, but we just keep playing Purdue. But at least we get that game at home because that is Purdue is a team that was uh, number one for a long time. Yeah, it's a good litmus test to it see is. how we'll stand up against the ACC powerhouse, the Big Blues. I think it's not a bad schedule. I, I don't have the highest hopes for this basketball team like I have in years past, but... You'd certainly expect an improvement on last year, where it was an injury-ridden stretch there. Yeah, I think the health is going to be a big factor. I mean, we lost, FSU lost, I think, three fifth-year, maybe even sixth-year seniors. So it's a much younger, more out-there-to-prove type of team, and I, I like that, personally. I think that's what you want in college basketball. You want that energy. You want that bench mob as you... We're, we're still going to go back to new bloods again. New bloods. Even though that team was relatively old last year. Yeah. That, new were bloods. And I like uh, Matthew Cleveland. I thought it was a, a huge piece that's going to stay. Uh, John Butler moved on, but Matthew Cleveland was a guy who you thought was just going to be one year, then gone, and he's decided to stick around. And I think he will be probably the main centerpiece along with Caleb Mills and uh, an up-and-coming Cam I, I was shocked. I, I pulled up the NBA app. Not the NBA app. I was on Instagram, and I saw on an NBA post that John Butler Jr. dropped like 28 points in, pre, or, uh, in the summer, summer league. Yeah. And I was like, why did he leave? He was, like, he, so untuned yet. He had the body that reminded me of Chet Holmgren. Just incredibly, oh, yeah. like, incredibly weak and, like, just looked like a just slender man. He seems like the stereotypical, give him three years in college to put on some weight, eat at the dining hall, and he'll be perfect for the NBA. And the dining hall here is pretty decent. I mean, you gotta, you gotta put on that weight while you can. But, no, he moved on, and I think Cleveland is going to be the, like, the centerpiece of this, uh, this team, along with uh, returning Caleb Mills, who... The Houston transfer last year, I think, was the big provider of the three-point game, which became a reason of them winning the games. But losing that veteran presence, I think, will play a role because it won them games like the Dukes and the mm -hmm. of the world. I mean, Raekwon Evans, what? I'm pretty sure he won back-to-back -back games on free throws. Won the Miami game and the Duke game on free throws. Those yeah. are insane. And then, yeah. 
Jack, I want to say to your point about the UCF game, their best player transferred to Florida State for this year, Darren Green Jr. Mm-hmm. He's a guard from Charlotte. I don't know too much about him. I saw. I, I think it was somewhere in the realm of like nine points per game, something like that. But that's that's offensive contribution. That's just as much as Matthew Cleveland was doing last year. So we'll see if he can ramp it up. Another player to watch, I think, is Jalen Worley. I've heard different like NBA outlets saying he could get drafted very highly if he shows any glimpse of potential, which he had last year, apparently. But I think we should be excited about that, him at the point guard this year. He'll have to take a huge step because he was a huge bench presence last year. He had a couple games where he shined. Um, but Harrison Creek was also a guy who put up a double-double against Wake Forest. Yeah. So if he's going to be that guy that steps up along with others, then it, it's a it's an encouraging sign. Worley looked very... Um... I don't want to say immature. That seems a little demoralizing, but he had some real sloppy games out there. He's a freshman. All over. He looked yeah. like a freshman. He looked like a freshman. He also showed some crazy good flashes out there. I think it's an interesting year because in the past couple of years, Leonard Hamilton has just drawn in a big fish and it's really blown up the team. I mean, you got Scotty Barnes, Matthew Cleveland. These guys are top tier talents that we're bringing in. And this year, we don't really have that. We have. I think three new four-stars and a four-star ranked international player who's somewhat considered the best international prospect. His name's, what is it, Baba Miller? Baba Miller, he's basically, from what I briefly researched, the replacement to John Butler Jr., 6'11", 18-year-old, probably mm-hmm. extremely untuned. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's something that has worried me is that lack of veteran presence, but this is the time where you get those, you earn that veteran uh, status and... Guys like Caleb Mills and uh, even in God, they just kind of have to step up. So what are, our, what are the expectations for FSU's basketball team this year? For me, I, I don't expect too much this year. It's a young team. They're inexperienced. They got the, the freshmen last year didn't get any tournament experience. We got blown out by Syracuse in the ACC tournament. So I think I would expect us to make March Madness, maybe first four, but nothing too much beyond that because, the, it, like I said, there's just not enough tangible playoff experience there. I think making the tournament would be a, you know, a good step for a young team. I think if they made it to round 32, I consider that a successful season. They, they need to have a deeper run in the ACC tournament when it comes around. Unfortunately, a lot of these games um, in conference play, uh, I see a couple of them. There are maybe two or three doubleheader uh, ACC away games, and those are going to be quite tough for opponents, especially since FSU's first opener, or ACC opener, is back in uh, Virginia, where... Um, uh, Matthew Cliven hit that half-court shot. Oh, that shot. That was celebrating on the way back from a baseball game. I remember that. Yeah. Fool to everybody. I think the expectations are very lopsided. If the young team shows up and performs to the talent level and the potential they have, we're talking about maybe a contender in the ACC, maybe a Sweet 16 Cinderella story of some sort. I think the main thing I would like to see on this team is consistency because Absolutely. the beginning of the season you saw them on top of the ACC, then you saw them fall down the ladder back to like ninth or 10th in yeah. the room with the Clemson and Pittsburghs of the of the world and whatnot. So The downfall last year happened very quickly. Very quickly. It, it, just the hope, just it was a, one of the biggest crashes I've ever seen. Some of it injuries, some of it inflicted on their own time. So The big team to look out for this year, I think, is North Carolina. They had it everybody come back and they were in the national championship game this year so i think that's people like to call duke out as our biggest opponent those those games always sell out the whole tucker center but unc is easily the best team in the acc this year and i think they should uh, be a fun matchup for florida state 
the Duke game, there is no Duke home game this year. That'll be away on New Year's Eve. Um, the uh, FC will host uh, UNC this year, the last home game of the season, February 27th. So until then, you have Miami in late January. You have, um, you know, some, some decent games that are sprinkled, but there's no, not a lot of, not a lot of double home games, which I think does make this an interesting challenge. But Now, with Calvin here needing to get going soon, we'll wrap up. I have a bad question. A sad question, maybe. If things go poorly, is legendary Leonard Hamilton gone? As a coach, or does he choose? I think it's more of his It's more. It, it would be totally announced as he's resigning or he's retiring and not him being fired. But I don't think he's the type of guy who's just going to up and stop. He's, he's in great shape for being, what, like 72 years old. He clearly loves what he does. I think FSU has to be a basement dweller for a good chunk of the season, uh, probably more so than they were last year for that to happen. I don't think Leonard Hamilton is going to be fired on. I think he's earned that uh, you know, capability where even if this team goes through a rough stretch for the next few years, I still think his job is safe. You guys are not going to like what I'm about to say. Uh, I do not think that Leonard Hamilton is a good basketball coach. I think he can recruit, <laughs> he can recruit greatly, but, but the offense is YMCA basketball. You wow. you never see plays run. They'll run the occasional pick and roll, but it's usually, at least last year, to my observation, it was throw the ball to Anthony Polite, pump fake in the corner, drive in turnover every time. It would drive you nuts. But he can recruit. That's why I think that 2018 team had, what, five, six NBA guys on it. He knows what he's doing, but if you had, like, a Coach K or a Tom Izzo on that team, they would have won a title by now. I love that you say this because you're, you're almost saying what my roommate would say like verbatim. It's unbelievable. Like He's got to be one of the best defensive coordinators in college basketball. That is correct. Oh, I was speaking strictly in terms of offense. Offensively, though, though it's like he doesn't even play 2K. It's, it's unbelievable. I still think back to that Miami game that was in uh, Coral Gables last year where they pitched a oh, – yeah. I believe it was – they had 41 points, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Kept Miami at 19 points, which was incredible. And then the offense, I believe, only got 11 points in the second half. It was unreal to see two totally different halves where the defense, giving up 30 points and a half or 40, is it's okay. It's, it's not ideal. But the fact the offense was completely shut down with no answers is a, is a genuine concern. As for him, Leonard Hamilton, being let go, he signed a five-year extension that goes through 2024-2025 season. And it pays him $2.25 million annually. That's totally buyout range for FSU, I would say. It would be sad to see him go. There's no denying that. As much as he may not be the greatest offensive coach ever, he's a darn good recruiter, without a doubt. I mean, he's pulling people that you would never expect to land. If it doesn't go well, though, if you look at any of the other decisions this new athletic director here has made, I mean, it's produced now or you're gone. I would not be shocked if he's gone. The biggest thing for him, I don't think, is his, well, at least for the team's sake, he doesn't stand out as a, as a great coach to them, but more so a guy who turns boys into men. I think he develops really, really good people in general. He turns players into gentlemen frequently, so I think that's why he's respected at Florida State. I'm excited for basketball. I, I think FSU basketball is one of the more fun sports on campus. I think they're going to do better than what some might be thinking, because after last year, the the hype was really high to start, and then the lows were low. The lows were low. I think 
the fan base is going to come into it low, especially riding this football high right now. Mm-hmm. I think they're going to overperform what we think. I think so, too. Um, again, I think missing the tournament two years in a row, I think is something that just doesn't seem doesn't seem real. Like, mm-hmm. I, this team should make the tournament. It should be sufficient enough for them. And I think if they don't make it, then you maybe look at, um, you know, next year, not a year where it's like, ooh, they're on the hot seat, everybody, but it's like, okay, when are you going to turn these... Um, you know, these young guys into that top tier of the crop. As for that, we're rounding out of time here, folks. It's been a pleasure to be back. I've had a great time. How about you, Jack? It's been great to be back on this platform. Well, I say back. I've never been on this platform before. <laughs> but it is awesome to have uh, the meeting. It was great having uh, Calvin on here. Great to have two student uh, organizations here come together and just do what they talk. And that is talk sports. We thank you for tuning in to Talk and Chop Podcast. We'll be back next week, and we hope to see you there.